Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. <sighs> These fucking ants. Okay, so I have an issue in my room. I don't know where they come from, but there's just like three or four ants that's always just on my computer. I try not to kill them. I just try and like get them away or brush them off or blow them toward the window and they keep coming back. I'm at work probably six miles away from my house and an ant just like crawled off my laptop. This is this is ridiculous. However, it's okay because it's just an ant and it's not like a killer spider or anything like that. Go ahead, little buddy. You can go away. Yeah, you're in a foreign environment. You'll find you a new colony. All right, anyways, uh, nonprofit organization that essentially just serves people who are navigating herpes stigma. Um, I know that lately I've been trying to restructure the exact wording for what it is that we do um, because we've suspended offering the free therapy. Um, it just wasn't efficient. It wasn't making sense to continue to do that. So um, I do still have my therapist that I've worked with that I can recommend to you. Um, if you're in their state, if you're curious about working with a therapist that has experience working with people with herpes, um, then I will absolutely introduce you to them. Um, but yeah, multi, uh, ultimately, what your support is going toward is our attempts to get these lived experiences that people have shared and the communication that has been developed and understood uh, through people's lived experiences navigating stigma. Uh, we want to integrate those into STD prevention efforts. So that's essentially where my efforts are going to go now moving forward. Uh, we're almost at episode 300. I want to do something special, um, closing out 300 numerical episodes. Like right now, we're at more than 300 episodes, but just a few if you add all the bonus ones. But at this point in time, um, I'm thinking that episode 300 is probably where I need to take a little bit of a break and um, decide moving forward how things are going to look for something positive for positive people. All right, so thank you for being here. Uh, you can visit www.spfpp.org for more information. Keep up to date on any events. Um, I am beginning to do live podcasts. You'll see by the time this one's uploaded that there's a video recording podcast on the website. So that's one more way that you can check out something positive for positive people and engage with me there. I'm also on Instagram at CourtneyBrain underscore, all one word. All right, so today, do you want me to say your name at all? I have no reason to say your name. Oh, yeah, you can say my name. Okay, yeah. say my name, say my name. <laughs> all right, so I'm here with Savannah, and uh, it's so funny because like, we work together, and just yeah. so casually, uh, we ended up talking about like what I do for something positive and the yeah. herpes stuff, and then you mentioned to me that you have herpes, and then one of the things that I try and explain to people is just like you don't really know like who else is dealing with having herpes unless yes. you are willing to put yourself out there. I happen to be out there in a much more uh, intense way than a lot of people need to be, yeah. but it's been my experience that the more people that I share with, the more often I'm being met with like a me too. So just out of curiosity to start out with, like how did you find me or what made you like share that with me? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because, like you said, we work together. So I've seen you around work. We've had conversations. Um, you had, maybe still have, a very explicit sexual health sticker on your computer. And one time we were sitting in the lounge and I saw it and I was like, what is this guy? Like, why is this here? And how do I bring this up in a work setting? Um, and we work in, like, reproductive health here. So it's not like... 
this is a job where I, I, I get the genital exams. I get fingers in my butt and my genitals tugged on. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> um, so not abnormal to have those conversations. So I had always wanted to sort of like pick your brain about that. And then um, I saw that you were teaching a class on disclosure. And that's when I was like, oh, I really want to have a conversation with you. Um, and so then one day at work, somebody else was talking to you about it. And I was like... I would like to also be a part of this conversation <laughs> because I'm trying to learn about disclosure. I had been diagnosed with herpes a couple of years ago, but I was in a relationship and then recently out of that relationship, navigating disclosure, not very well. And so I sort of came to you and was like, help me. <laughs> um, yeah. How was navigating being diagnosed in a relationship? It was... I think a positive experience and I will say I was at the beginning like I was at the entering a relationship part of a relationship I had just started dating this person we weren't necessarily exclusive but we were forming like a very intimate relationship and we were at that point where it was like oh this is something we're both gonna keep doing this and like we're building something great together um, so I got herpes from them and so it was very easy to have that conversation because they had already had an experience with herpes um but they had it orally and i got it genitally so that was that also did bring up like a bit of that shame that was like will this person still want to be with me if i have genital herpes even though they also have herpes, right? It was a very like strange, it was sort of like, I know this person will accept me and understands my experience. And I felt like I had a heavier burden of shame um, that then I had to navigate with them. Thankfully, it was very easy to navigate with them. Um, and they responded very positively and understanding. And I think that I got lucky in that regard, that I didn't have to deal with a lot of the sort of adjusting your life to your herpes diagnosis until now mm -hmm. when I'm dating. Now I feel like I'm going through those experiences of like, how do I disclose to people? What does this mean? How do I keep other people safe? What's my responsibility? And I didn't necessarily need to think very hard about those things in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, out of curiosity, what ended the relationship? Assuming it ended. Yes, okay. it did. It ended. Um, commitment issues <laughs> is what I can Wait, say. Wait, yours or theirs? <laughs> theirs, right. yeah. <laughs> I have kids. Uh, they don't. Yeah. It was one of those, like, we're either going to do it or we're not, and okay. we're not. <laughs> All right. Um, it's fascinating that the commitment issues ended because I think so many people really tie in like their herpes diagnosis to the relationship yeah. and try and make that part of why they need to stay or why totally. they need to leave or why someone left and ended the relationship. So in your case, it was like the commitment issues were a bigger issue than the herpes diagnosis. Absolutely. And I think that that again reflects the, like the societal differences between having oral herpes or having herpes orally, I should say, or genitally, like, um, I think that there wasn't, our herpes diagnoses together weren't a thing that tied us together. And I think that we had such different experiences. Um, and I imagine that that's because he probably had that from childhood and had constantly dealt with cold sores and they're so much more acceptable mm -hmm. in our society. Like that's not really a point of disclosure for a lot of people. We didn't have a conversation about it until I got herpes. Yeah. That was really like where the conversation started. There was no disclosure around 
um, in HSV-1 diagnosis before I had caught it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this reminds me, so yesterday, it was yesterday where someone who follows me, she reached out and she said that she had disclosed uh, her herpes status to two people and both of these people get cold sores, but her having genital herpes was an issue. So it's not like a type thing, type one, type two. Yeah. It's more of an orally versus genitally thing. Totally. And what I've come to realize is I don't think it's herpes itself that's stigmatized. I think it's sex that Absolutely. is really the issue because to you to get a virus orally that is still a nerve condition that expresses itself on the skin the location is more of an issue than the actual virus itself and because it's more um, because it's genitally like that person still got herpes it's just the way that they got it makes it okay yeah even if they pass it on to you the way that you got it going on from there is not okay because of the sexual contact and yeah. so given the stigmatization of sex not necessarily herpes i think that that's really where a lot of this uh, untangling of stigma and bringing more of a reality into uh, where we are in our views around sex is going to be what makes us like dissolve any internalized stigma that we have for Absolutely. ourselves yeah i think that that is that can be a really frustrating part of having genital herpes is that is knowing that like i have the same type of herpes as people who have it orally and they're living very different experiences than i am mm -hmm. and um that mine comes with shame and that theirs doesn't even though we're experiencing the same virus that it affects our lives the same amount of time in the same ways and all of those things um I found that in my like herpes disclosure and sort of my journey of like owning that I have herpes, I often want to explain to people how I got it, that I got it from someone orally, as if that excuses it or lessens the shame or that I got it in the context of a relationship. And I have to like untangle that shame myself as well and tell myself, I don't need to justify to people how I got herpes, right? This is just a part of my body and a lot of other people's bodies. And it's a thing that I'm navigating and dating, but it's like, we want to justify these things. I, I want to tell people I got it from someone who had a cold sore and they didn't know that they were developing a cold sore. And as if that justifies it or makes it less terrible that I have it or makes people more comfortable, but it's not my job to really make people comfortable with the fact that I have herpes and when I have disclosed to people, generally I do get a positive reaction. Thinking back to what you said earlier about sort of like um, when you disclose to people, often the response is like, oh, me too. I was in this environment with a bunch of friends the other day out for like a friend's birthday party with friends that I've known for years, like spent lots of time with them, been at lots of parties, STI testing comes up and I made a comment about how herpes testing is not the standard part of an STI panel and that you sort of have to request it. And I didn't figure that out until I had herpes. And I just decided to disclose this to my friends because I love them and trusted them. And like half of them said, me too, me too, me too. And I'm like, how have we never had this conversation? How is this not a normal part of like our everyday life is telling our friends like, hey, by the way, have you been tested for herpes? Because I had this experience and realized that I didn't know that I had it, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just like, it, there is this warmth to disclosing to people and then 
finding out that you're not really alone in this experience. Yeah. And a lot of our conversations have made me feel that way too. Like, oh, I'm really not alone in this. And that helps me own that herpes in a public way a lot more. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. <clears throat> because uh, I remember having this experience specifically where I was much more comfortable being myself around people who knew nothing about me except that I have herpes. Mm -hmm. And there was a day where I was around people that I've known half my life and I'm on my phone engaging with these people who know nothing about me except for that I have herpes. I'm like, oh, like, enjoying myself, feeling good. And it took one of my friends to say, man, you all right? You don't seem like yourself. And so that friend kind of pulling me into the present moment, like snatched me out of this, alternate reality where I'm more myself to these complete strangers who know this one intimate detail about me but nothing else and like I'm enjoying receiving their approval but here we are like I'm in a room full of people that I've cried with laughed with fought fought with and had like real struggles with and built friendships and genuinely can say I love and these are people who know everything about me except that I have herpes so I kind of was at like a little bit of a crossroads for myself where it was like okay I can keep living these two different lives like one where these people know I have herpes and know nothing else about me and that's enough and then these people who know everything about me except this one thing that I'm actually struggling with and so you disclosing to your friends I understand like the liberation that comes with that. I also understand where your average person may be deathly afraid of disclosing that to their friends in fear of losing them. And like my guidance to that person who is, you know, really struggling with this internally on their own is that if you are running the risk of losing friends because you share that you're struggling with something and you could use some support with it, maybe it's best that they go now like i don't understand what people think the worst thing is that would happen to them for sharing like hey i'm struggling with this thing because if it wasn't something associated with sex again i think that's where the stigma really is it's more sexual based than it is herpes based because so many people do have herpes so many people don't know that they have herpes and more than anything I think we just don't really know enough until we come into contact with it and we become those private investigators that we become learning about (laughs) Uh, so yeah like I recommend people take the risk of sharing with a friend because I think sharing with a friend for as difficult as that may be is going to give you the necessary practice to go on to disclose your status to partners and give you that kind of confidence. So while we're transitioning into that statement, uh, I guess, like, has it always been easy for you to just be as open as you are or have been and speak as willingly as you have been about having herpes? I think in certain contexts, it has been. Um, I have a close family member who has herpes, so I was able to sort of have this... How did you know they had it? They had disclosed it to me years before. Okay. Um, and it was sort of like in passing, it was one of those things like, oh, I had I had no idea you had that the whole time I've known you, and now you disclosed it to me, and great, I can ask you questions and um, learn a little bit about it. So I had this base knowledge about it, which I think is really helpful. I wasn't doing a lot of the discovering um, at the time of my diagnosis. I sort of had already already had like an arsenal of knowledge around herpes um 
And so I found it very easy to be open with the people in my life because that was the environment and like the people that I surround myself with. Sex positive people, people who talk about sexuality, talk about their own health. Um, But that didn't necessarily translate to like my outer circle of friends. That was like my really close people. It was very easy to communicate that. Um, And then I just really like started experimenting with disclosing to people around me because I think that when I started to get positive reactions like that I thought it is a great place to start to practice and I've expressed to you Courtney that disclosing to sexual partners has been something that I'm really struggling to navigate that feels very vulnerable and I don't know how to do it I'm very afraid of rejection but I think that the disclosing to friends doesn't come with that sexual rejection. And so it was a safer way to sort of have those difficult conversations, answer questions that people were curious about and get that practice without getting the rejection that comes with like, I want to be close and intimate with you. And I don't know if you'll still want to be that way with me after this. Um, obviously, I think this is true of all people. You don't have to disclose your herpes status to strangers for like you don't have to disclose it to people that you don't want to of you (laughs) bad timing you're all right (laughs) um you don't have to disclose it to your peers just because you want to i guess that's what i'm trying to say like yes disclose to your sexual partners but i don't need to tell my friends they don't need to necessarily know this thing but in the moments where it's felt natural to do so i've taken that opportunity and usually been met with like warmth or disclosure from them um i have a friend that i've disclosed to who then a few weeks later disclosed to me that they had hpv and then i was able to ask them all these questions about hpv and get all of this knowledge that i didn't have they were like open and they wanted to talk about it and i think that's the really profound thing is that people this is a really intimate part of our life we want to talk about it we want to tell people the things we know about it and understand about it so when people are curious and approach disclosure with curiosity that feels really warm and welcoming as opposed to like approaching it with like shutting down or I don't want to talk about that but I've been lucky to not really have that experience um but pick my brain in a few months when I've had some practice exposing or disclosing to sexual partners because I'm very curious um what that process will be like mm-hmm. yeah. well we have a podcast episode and I'm gonna um more so update this one episode 99 is called integrative disclosure and it features one of my board members dr evelyn dacker who created the stars talk which the first s stands for sci status the t is for turn ons a is avoids r is relationship intention and then the second s is for safety and that framework invites conversation and that's what i use with partners whether it be hey i want to have this conversation with you it's called the stars talk have you heard of it and we can go down the list or if it's just something that like in casual conversation that's organically flowing Mm -hmm. like i know that i'm touching on each of these individual things um and a lot of the conversation around herpes and disclosing your herpes status like that's something that can be put on the back burner after you've done enough vetting to see if this person is even someone that you are wanting to be sexual with so it allows for you to have the opportunity to really see okay I think I want to have sex with this person do I really want to have sex with this person do they make me feel safe Uh, are we compatible sexually do they respect my boundaries 
Um, do they, in fact, like some of the things that turn me on? And then how are they with talking about STI status, right? First thing that I come, that comes to mind for me is when a person says clean. When you see yes. clean on an STI <laughs> or uh, on someone's profile, yes. or if you hear clean in their language, you know that this is generally someone who just may need a little bit more education than you might be willing to put out because disclosure fatigue is real. Like the yeah. emotional drain that comes with getting the courage to get to a point of sharing this vulnerable piece of information about yourself with someone where the risk is rejection, but the reward is connection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the reward from it, if you get that, it's gonna be like, yes, it's 10 times better than it would be had you just gone through the process and gotten it. However, it's the same thing for the rejection. The rejection yeah. hits 10 times harder <laughs> if you get that. So understanding that this framework here is more of a back and forth discussion because like when I think about um, the stars talk, the hardest thing for me to talk about has been the R and primarily because we predominantly live in like a hookup culture and to thrive in this hookup culture, you almost have to shut off your emotional availability in order to be available for this illusion of connection through sex with people and you mentioned that you wanted more than what that person had to offer uh in the previous relationship you were in and you mentioned all right you have kids and it's like if we're gonna do this we're gonna do this yeah i imagine that what you experienced from this person was a little bit of emotional avoidance or unavailability is that accurate yeah definitely and i think you yeah, nobody wants a partner who's unavailable to them. And I think that I love that you have framed this in so many of our conversations that like disclosing is an act of vulnerability that leads to connection um, because it reframes it in this positive light that like when I'm I am giving intimacy to a person by disclosing and allowing them to like give that back to me and then we can move forward on the same page as opposed to me worrying so much that they're going to reject me. And like you said, like that rejection is a signal that that is not the person that I want to be being intimate with. And that's true across the board, not just around STI status, but like you said, relationship intentions, desires. If I don't have a partner who can navigate those conversations with grace, then I probably don't want to be having sex with that person because I want them to also be able to navigate conversations around boundaries and limits and what sort of relationship we're having. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I love the STARS framework, which I haven't used, but I'm going to, um, because it sets the stage for a large conversation and not a herpes conversation, right? The conversation isn't just about my herpes. It's about our overall like framework of our relationship and how we're going to move forward. And I love that that includes a small part that's STIs and like gives room for the other person to also disclose mm-hmm. their STI status. Yeah, it, when a person's diagnosed, I've seen so many people prioritize herpes and in their prioritization of herpes, their status, their diagnosis, disclosing the partners, 
like we become private investigators <laughs> to the 10th degree yes. in trying to figure out ways around having to disclose yes. ways around having to deal with outbreaks or having to deal with symptoms or even ways to not have to think about this altogether yeah and there's this potential for avoidance to come up it's like okay i'm going to immerse myself in herpes information and i'm going to make all these lifestyle changes in order to accommodate so that i never have to deal with herpes the reality is that herpes does not exclusively represent itself what it represents is usually something that may not have been physical perhaps like a, a misalignment between behaviors and beliefs perhaps it's something with our relationship to sex our relationship to relationships our relationships to ourselves and that's something that I've learned and I use this example for myself <clears throat> it brought up my relationship to avoidance and whatever commitment issues that I had because now if I'm going to be with someone I now have to offer to them you know this invitation for emotional connection and intimacy because this might be the first time that they had to think long term in terms of how if they have sex with me they might get herpes mm -hmm. and if we don't work out they now have to do the same thing that I just did which was a very difficult thing yeah. despite how easy I make it look that's not always the case exactly. and people aren't always prepared for that kind of dialogue they're not prepared for that emotional vulnerability um, because again, if we're going to survive in our hookup culture as it is, we have to preserve some of ourselves because disclosure fatigue, dating fatigue, all of this, like there is so much emotional drain that comes from being able to connect with people. Yeah. And if you're looking for a fulfilling relationship, then you're gotta, you're going to have to put yourself in a position to really be emotionally drained. So uh, I find that the stars talk itself, and this will be something I'll re-interview Evelyn about because it's it's evolved significantly, and I think that um, there's more experience that I have because I've grown through stars talk personally, just yeah. being able to speak about the R part, the relationship intention, because it's also about being genuine about what it is that you want. I um, one of the things that I've had to ask myself is, what do I want? And now what do I want from you or with you, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes those don't always match up. And if yeah. you are able to prioritize that bigger picture of what it is that you want, you start to see and you start to see more of what's closer to that rather than it just being like, oh my God, I have herpes and I got to tell this person I really want to have sex. Because you can really lower your standards and start reframing subconsciously what it is that you want and making it more about what's available to you like instead of going for what you want you take what you can get yeah and i've seen that from so many people totally over the years and it's like well when we do find ourselves in the position where we are able to put ourselves in a position to get what we want period it's a complete like lifestyle change for totally. us like it, it it gets us out of this mindset i don't want to necessarily say scarcity mindset because on one hand, yeah, like our options are limited. We don't have as much sexual freedom yeah. uh, as we had before. We knew about our herpes status. So now we run the risk of a person not choosing us for this reason rather than it being because they're just not attracted to us or they're yeah. seeing someone else, right? Now there's also this category of having herpes and needing to have that conversation. Um, but yeah, all of that just to say, 
um, it's more about the person, the connection, what it is that you want than it is what's available to you. And like yeah. looking at the person across from me and be like, oh, you have the ability to give me sex and communication. Mm-hmm. I just need to get over this obstacle. Hey, I have herpes. And then leaving yeah. it at that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, um, I like what you were saying about, uh, yeah, our options are more limited with herpes. And I don't know that that's necessarily like a fully true statement. I think that like with disclosure and communication, really our options aren't that limited. But yes, people are going to have boundaries. Um, And I think that has been a big point of grief for me is shifting the way that I view my sexual freedom. And that has been one of the things I'm really struggling with right now. And that's come up a lot in the sort of navigating disclosure and dating conversation, which is that. I'm used to having a lot of sexual freedom. um, And I also really enjoy um, that being my relationship to sexuality. I think I made a joke to you the first time we talked about this, which is just like, I identified as a slut and I'm grieving that identification, which is that like I had full sexual freedom, you know, within reason. And now I have this hurdle to navigate if I want to continue to have that type of sexual freedom and it's going to be a hurdle. There are going to be people who will have the boundary that's like, you know, that doesn't work for me and that's okay and something that I have to accept. And so shifting our identity as like a sexual being and sort of allowing herpes to be a part of my sexual identity has been very difficult for me. Um, And it's something that I'm just still navigating. Like I can be a slut with herpes I just have to figure out how to have those conversations with people. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to what you mentioned about uh, like our options not really being limited. Uh, just because I, I want to add to that. <clears throat> A lot of times it's in the delivery as well mm-hmm. because one thing that I struggle with is in, in dating. Like My biggest insecurity in dating, especially for like a long-term relationship, is... When you Google my name, herpes comes up. Mm. And that is always <laughs> going to be the case. Yeah. You know, you'll see my dad. You'll see this woman that's my age with the same name that also happens to live in St. Louis. <laughs> um, and then you'll see me and herpes, right? Yeah. These are the three things you're going to see. And so I've dated people in the past who have not, who I've kind of had to hide this part of myself, mm-hmm. you know, from. Yeah. And I got better at doing that. You know, like their families will ask, oh, how was your day? And I'll just be like, oh right you don't know so uh yeah I did this thing today and it's just like a repressing a repression of self and you mentioned like going back to our identities as well you know I identify as somebody who generally just I I love what I do Mm -hmm. and I'm in a place where my passion and career overlap and I significantly like this is a significant part of my life like a huge part of it so for me to have to minimize myself for partners, like I've gotten out of those relationships and I'm never going back into those relationships, which means now, yeah, I got herpes, which lowers my value. I'm using air quotes when I say lowers <laughs> my value, just so y'all know. Um, but the fact that I'm so secure in that, I've recognized, you know, that bit of being able to communicate about that and talk about like what I've learned from it, the communication skills that I've acquired, having to know what I want these are things that partners have like really 
embraced about me and yeah. like, oh my god like I love that you're so open about this I love that you're so willing to talk about this and yeah that's been something that stood out for me personally but um, to, to complete the circle of what I was trying to get at is that it really is about sometimes how you present this mm-hmm. because if you're just like oh well I, I have herpes uh, all we're doing is projecting that feeling onto the other person and the insecurity that I had about you know not being able to just fully be myself you know it didn't really have it had more to do with being in a relationship with someone who sees me and sees like herpes aside like I am very passionate and enthusiastic about what I do and I'm very much care about what it is that I'm doing and the people that I do it for and in relationships it's been very invalidating to this part of my identity and one of the things like I started this whole podcast because of people wanting it in their lives because Mm -hmm. of their herpes diagnosis and I've learned over the years that not it's not sadness it's not a loss of control that makes people want to commit suicide it's this fear or this uh, invalidation of identity and so having my identity invalidated on a regular basis I realized how much more I had to do with that than they had to do with that because now like I don't want to even entertain somebody who's not going to let me be me and validate my identity in that sense and that's one of the things that I'm trying to get across to people is that there is so much more to us than this herpes diagnosis it's more about our response to it life is about what happens through you not to you herpes is something that happened to you your response is going to be what happens through you so you can just allow for this to stagger you and just make you you know limit yourself and feel like you have less options which again the reality is if you didn't have herpes more than likely if there's someone where there's mutual sexual interest they are more likely to move forward with you Mm -hmm. if you don't have it than if you do however there is still a person there is a type of person who when you are vulnerable like the emotional connection the hotness the attractiveness that's going to be more important to that type of person than just the fact that you have herpes so yeah I invite people to just like take that risk <laughs> you take yeah. the chance like you listen to this podcast you hear me you see me living my life the way I live my life and I think that there's so much that can be taken from my experience and then applied to you know whatever your unique circumstances are regardless of how you know, you're like, well, but Courtney, you're dot, dot, dot. You've been doing this for as long as you have. All I do is have, I have one conversation at a time. And that's really what this is. You get to observe these conversations and that's where it starts. Like I just challenge what the status quo is in reference to what a person thinks about themselves when they get their diagnosis. Because, you know, something that you said as well, you mentioned your sexual identity. You identify as a mm-hmm. slut. Having herpes just shattered your identity as Absolutely. a slut. And yeah. you had to decide, okay, well, aside from my sluttiness, who am I? And being able to repiece that together, including your sexuality and not like exclusively making it about your sexuality. Like that's been what your healing process yeah. has become. Yeah, and that's been a difficult like to kind of touch on what you said we all want to be the most embodied versions of ourselves and when you have herpes that 
is part of who you are now. And so I still want to maintain that identity, but I have to also be, I have to also embody this part of myself and allow that to be part of my slut identity or sexual identity just in general. Um, and that's really hard. But like you said, truly practicing those conversations has made that so much easier. And I think that that goes for herpes, NESTI, trauma, like all of these things. I think about like, if I can touch on my experience with abortion, like I had an abortion and I felt very isolated in that experience, but again, had a lot of positive support around me. And it wasn't until I started just openly disclosing it or talking about it in normal conversation that I realized how comfortable people were with it or what their experiences were with it, or I was met with this warmth around my experience. And I think the same is true with herpes when I've taken the opportunity to disclose it to people you get those positive reinforcements that are like, oh, I'm creating a community of people who love the embodied version of myself, and that's who I want around me. And I think that it can be really hard to be rejected and to think about losing people you love or losing people you're sexually attracted to or you have sort of maybe projected some sort of relationship or idea onto them, but you want community who love the most embodied version of yourself. And I think that, yeah, practicing that is the best way to get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you bring up a very interesting point about um, having had an abortion and this experience with herpes kind of being similar because you share this vulnerable bit of information and you're going to be met with either rejection or acceptance. You know, mm-hmm. and the in-between is like curiosity, tell me more, yes. of course. Yeah. But, you know, there's going to be the potential for me too. There's going to be the understanding. There's going to be the, oh, well, I know someone who's dealt with this before. Exactly. And then there's so many parallels there. And, you know, there's still like the shame around it, uh, the shame around having herpes, the shame around having an abortion. Yeah. And then to be just met with the love that you receive, you have to be willing to put yourself in the position to be rejected and to be Absolutely. shamed. So yeah, I, I I often say, you know, herpes is a traumatic event, like an SC diagnosis is mm-hmm. a traumatic event. And how we respond to that traumatic event, this is an adversity. So when we face this adversity, we can either run from it or we can run through it, you know, and feel through it and figure out what there is that's coming from it that we can take away and integrate into our day-to-day lives so that we can move forward through it. Um, I speak about the fight, flight, freeze, fawn, trauma responses, but there's also uh, what I'm seeing consistently is like a forward response, just being able to take the same energy that you would have, that intensity of being in fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode, and then just going, okay, I've been here before, I know what this is, here's how I'm going to direct that energy. Mm-hmm. And we have the opportunity to do that. I think that this podcast itself is a trigger for anyone who's diagnosed with herpes. And there's a sense of peace and calm that comes from it once you work through the trigger, because I'm talking to people who have been sexually assaulted and gotten herpes. I'm talking about to people who have attempted suicide, mm-hmm. who have suicide ideation, I'm talking to people, you know, on the other end of the spectrum who have healthy, loving relationships, who were just not told, who are not telling people. So the full range of potential triggers is present in this space and on this podcast. And we need these experiences to 
be able to be put into a place safely so that we can learn from them. And being able to learn from them, we're able to expand our own range of the potential to communicate and be communicated with along the way of just navigating this. Because mm-hmm. stigma in itself is just its own like solar system of <laughs> possibility. Yes. And there are so many different people navigating this in different ways. I really do believe that what this platform is gives people the tools to be able to decide how they want to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I've been listening to some of your past podcast episodes. Which I'm so glad you did <laughs> because <laughs> episode 271 is titled Take the Headphones Out. In the description, I said I interview a 64-year-old black woman named Joyce. And this was so funny. So we got to work a little bit early today, Savannah and I. And I let her know I'm in the conference, uh, I'm in the lounge, just meet me in here. And she goes, yeah, I was listening to your episode uh, with Joyce, uh, the 64-year-old black woman. Um, and I was like, oh, the was that take the headphones out? So she played it. And I was like, that does not sound like a 64-year-old black woman on there. And it was Dr. Ina Park. And apparently I uploaded what was supposed to be a chapter of the Something Positive for Positive People book. I uploaded it into that episode because Savannah was like, oh my God, yeah, this was so much like useful information. It really sounded like a good resource. I was like, what are you talking about? I remember that episode. And we just talked about how like Joyce talks to everybody and that's how she like dates and meets people. And I look and sure enough, I just uploaded the wrong audio. So... Yeah, I know I just said if you don't, if you aren't doing one of those four letter F words to me, not to give me any criticism or advice or anything like that, uh, I think I, I, I take that back. So if y'all hear this, if y'all hear anything that doesn't sound consistent, please give me feedback on that. But otherwise, like when I'm sharing things, like don't, don't come at me for that. So what had happened was, <laughs> just so you are aware, so I posted the, um, like my, calories from the other day mm-hmm. um, from that breakfast I told you about I had like 3,300 calories for yeah. breakfast and I posted that to my Instagram story uh-huh. I'm just excited about the fact that like I see this now because being here getting the exams that we get I know that I'm fairly healthy however I had a very close run-in with diabetes and I needed mm-hmm. to make some lifestyle changes mm-hmm. so now looking at how much I'm eating I'm like very excited and enthusiastic about just learning this stuff yeah and so I posted it to my story and I just asked like hey buddy do you track your calories Mm -hmm. just to see like if this was a thing that people do like am I late to the party or what so someone responded to the story and said that I might be triggering someone and I got to thinking I was like there were a couple of things, there were a couple of thought patterns. One was if I say what I'm thinking right now, I'm gonna get canceled, can't mm-hmm. do that right now. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that I caught myself wanting to explain myself. Yeah. And so I just had to not reply. And I, I thought about it, I talked to a friend during the day and I was like, yo, I post burritos, enchilada burritos, I post pizza, <laughs> I post all kinds of food. If I'm triggering somebody, I would have triggered them by now. I would have mm-hmm. been triggered them. Like, why is this the thing? when I'm like actively just trying to be curious about food, Mm -hmm. right? That's genuinely what I'm doing for my own like health and lifestyle. So that's why I got a little bit passive aggressive there. Um, But yeah, ultimately like what, again, like what I'm doing here is I'm challenging people. You know, there's a difference between being triggered and being challenged. And that's a recent podcast episode too. You can go check that out where I go into more detail about what I just bitched about. <laughs> um, 
uh, out of curiosity, uh, are there any questions that you have for me, or is there anything that you want to be sure to touch on before I let you go? I typically make these about an hour long, and okay, we, we've got sure. time. Okay. <laughs> hey, I can talk now. So. I know. I know. <laughs> Here's what I want to. I want you to walk me through a mock disclosure conversation. Oh, that's Will easy. Will you do that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so let me see. Um, online or in person? Give me. Let's do it in person. We're we're on a date right now, and we want to go home. Let's have a conversation. Oh, okay. So if he's at that point, so I'm we in got a, very, a great date. I'm in a very unique situation because we will have already talked about what I do. I know. So the, so you have that going, like you mentioned earlier, you have that, like, people Google you. Mm-hmm. And we've had conversations about, do you put your STI status on your dating mm-hmm. profile? But let's assume we don't know. Okay. I haven't Googled you. I know nothing about you. Okay. We've gone on a great first date. I want to invite you back to my house. And for whatever reason, you never ask me what I do for work. Got it. Exactly. <laughs> it's better that way. Maybe it's just better that way. Uh, so, mock disclosure would just be something like, I'm having a real good time. Uh, oh, wait, you just invited me to your house. Yeah, I'm having a great time. Do you want to come back and have a drink at my house? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, before we go back to my house... Um, oh shit. No, let's switch roles. Look, let's so see how you did that. You did that. You did that. I'll just go ride it out. I'm like, you've had this. Car. Okay, all right, I'll do it. Okay, before we go back to my house, I want to make out with you when we get there and maybe do more. Um, no, literally, no one has that conversation. That oh, way. I do. <laughs> really? You're like, yeah. I want to make out with you. Oh, later. absolutely. <laughs> I have absolutely walked people to my house and said, I would like to take you home and fuck you. Or, like, I would like to walk home and make out with you. And okay. Sp- okay. Sorry. I'm right. very explicit. That's, I wasn't that's lying amazing. about the slut thing. All right. This is amazing. I, also, I'm in Portland. I'm in Portland. It's very important to note. <laughs> this is a very Portland conversation. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe I'll have a normal conversation. Okay. All right. I'd like to bring normal. you a less slutty version. Right. We're doing a terrible job. We've wasted like three minutes just laughing about this. Okay. All right. I'm having a great time, Courtney. I'd love to bring you back to my house and have a drink um, and see where things go, maybe. But before we do that, I wanted to let you know that I have HSV-1. Um, I take an antiviral daily that's supposed to sort of control the spread of herpes, but it is possible that it can spread, though unlikely. Do you know anything about herpes? Do you have any questions? Um, my question is, why'd you do so much explaining? Oh! Because I'm really nervous, and this is the first time I've actually ever disclosed to somebody that I have herpes. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, how, well, it sounds like you're managing it pretty well, taking the medication for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so from what I know about herpes, is like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, right? Yes. Yeah, so I've had one outbreak, and I've actually never had any more. So I don't know that I'll ever have another outbreak, but I also don't know that I won't have an outbreak. So if you don't have an outbreak, I can't get it, right? Well, that's a hard question to answer. I think the blanket answer is yes, but I don't think that that's 100% true. I think that I can still shed the virus sometimes, even if an active outbreak isn't obvious. Okay. So can we just wear a condom? and? Absolutely. That was definitely going to be part of the experience anyway, okay. um, but I still just wanted to let you know. All right. Um, well, I know you said you have herpes. Um, I recently had an experience with a partner who had 
trick of whatever it is trick oh okay um i got tested for that and okay. i was negative i got tested for everything else i typically do get tested between partners um barriers are always until negotiated otherwise awesome i feel comfortable with that if you do all right let's go let's go all right how was that for you i thought that was good it's also easy to have this conversation with you because we've had this conversation like and i'm not actually worried that you're not gonna go home with me you're right right um but it was great to practice the language i also love that you called me out for explaining too much so i'd love to hear like what what would you say you wouldn't explain yourself that much I think I'm wanting to give the opportunity to like ask questions or be yes. curious. Yeah, um, I think that curiosity is a very good way of approaching it. Um, like, hey, um, I want to bring you back to my place and I'm going to do all the nasty things. Uh, <laughs> but first, like, I want to just make sure that's something that you're comfortable with. I do need to tell you that I've tested positive for herpes. Okay. Um, like, what do you know about it? Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like the, what do you know about it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also like to really, okay. So we're going to go through this again. Let's say I'm leading the conversation. Okay. I do generally like to start with the R. So let's say the date's going okay. well and I'm feeling compatibility. I'd be like, Oh, well, Hey, I'm really liking where this is going. Like, what are you thinking as far as like, are you getting friend vibes or a little bit more or what? I think definitely a little bit more. I just got out of a relationship, so I'm not interested in like jumping right back into one, but I think that I would love to explore a sexual relationship with you, maybe more. Okay. And what I just heard in that was, okay, short term. So if we're looking at the R, you saying what you said, like as the leader of this conversation, one of the main things is going to be, okay, is it short term or long term? Is yeah. it sexual or non-sexual? So you just basically said it's sexual and it's probably more of like a casual thing, mm -hmm. probably with potential for long term. If I need more clarity, I would go for more clarity. Okay. But now knowing that my response could generally be, oh, okay, yeah, you know, that sounds good. That's along the lines of what I was thinking. Um, but as long as it has a potential for more, like, I don't know where things are going to go, but I'd like to see you more on a regular basis than just sexually yeah. right and then you can say whatever it is that you're going to say and at that point like the r is taken care of okay so i haven't told you i have herpes yet i just know that our relationship intentions are going to be for a sexual relationship at the moment so from there it would be a matter of uh maybe talking about you know turn-ons right mm -hmm. so finding out like on an extreme level like should I not say certain things to you? Are there certain ways that you do or don't like to be touched? I would probably offer like, don't touch my ass unless I'm just out of the shower, right? Okay. Like yeah. something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, or just being able to speak to whatever avoids there might be or whatever potential turn on. So conversation gets a little hot and heavy at that point. Fun. And then it's like, wow, you know, I really like see this going somewhere. Yeah. Um, so just out of curiosity, we got the fun stuff out of the way. Now we got to get the business taken care of. So I work in sexual health. I typically get tested every three months or between any um, partners where we don't use barriers. Um, I was last tested a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, actually. I can show you my chart if you need to see that. I was tested for HIV, chlamydia, trig, gonorrhea, um, the hepatitis, which apparently are going around right now. Mm. And all of these came back negative. I do still test positive for genital herpes, um, and just out of curiosity, you know, how often are you tested? 
Um, I also usually get tested, probably not as often, maybe about every six months or so, or after, you know, partners where I haven't used a barrier as well. Um, and I also test positive for herpes. Oh, all right, let's go. <laughs> and that, like, that's like how this can go. It yeah. can be that smooth. Um, I have a question though. So you started with relationship intentions, which is great. And I also love that like that leads to having this sort of like positive and like hot and heavy conversation. Like, are we on the same page with the relationship? Are we on the same page sexually? Great. Now we got to get this like STI thing out of the way. But does the conversation you have in relationship intentions alter how you disclose herpes or are you having the same sort of disclosure conversation? Like if I said I wanted a long-term relationship, would we have a different conversation? It would be a different conversation, okay. yes. What might that look like for you? And that would depend on the intentions of the person. So if I ask you, like let's say my intention is for something short-term, if you mm-hmm. tell me you want long-term, then it would probably be in my best interest or your best interest at least for me to be honest with you and say, hey, well, you know, that's not, you know, what I'm looking for right yeah. now. Like, I understand that you want a long-term relationship, but for where I'm at, I don't know that I'll be able to give that to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that said, like, I would still like for us to continue to date, have enjoy the rest of the night, but I want to be transparent about what my intentions are. Uh, if in case that's something that doesn't align with you, okay. but then, but that wouldn't change how you would disclose. Well, I guess well, you wouldn't really disclose not, therapy. Yeah, if we're I guess not, I mean if we're both on the same page that we're wanting a long-term relationship. Yeah, so if we're both on the same page with that, and we want to take things slow, because that's sometimes what people would want to do. Mm-hmm. There's no need for me to say anything about herpes in that moment. Totally. But I think that it's something that could impact your decision. Like yeah. one of the things I used to do was say hey, you know, I like where things are going and I know that I'm a very likable person. So before you fall madly in love with me and that (laughs) alters your sense of judgment, I need to tell you I have herpes. Okay. I love, I might steal that script. Exactly. That's very fun. It's like, yeah. I like being kind of fun and confident. I think when I was taking a turn practicing, I led with no confidence. And I think that like when I, like I've said, disclosing to my friends, it's like, I am confident. I'm saying like, by the way, I have herpes. And I think that I could bring that energy into a disclosure disclosure conversation, which sends the message like, I'm comfortable with my diagnosis. I have information to share with you about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, I know this isn't everyone's experience, but my experience with herpes is that it's been a very easy thing to live with. It doesn't affect my day-to-day life. I'm not, you know, sort of like, my life hasn't drastically been altered because of it. And I think that that's the energy that I want to bring into disclosure is that like, this is just a thing that I have to tell you to check a box. It's not a thing that's going to deeply impact our connection um, because I'm comfortable with it and I'm managing it. And exactly. I think that I like hearing you sort of like find cute, fun ways to disclose. And I would like to try those. Yeah. Um, and then we didn't touch on it. I wouldn't make sure to touch on the second S, which is just safety. So like um, this can be anything from physical safety, emotional safety. Like I'm I'm gonna let someone know where I'm going. Like can I have your address so I can let mm-hmm. my friend know where I'm at? Okay. Um, it could be nice. something as simple as after we have sex, I would like for you to not get up and leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to cuddle for yeah. a bit. Um, it could be even something along the lines of the relationship. Like for me, I would probably say like being a black man who also dates outside my race, it would be a matter of understanding like some social awareness cues. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and making sure that whoever this person is that I'm with is on the same page about that kind of stuff too. So the safety is more uh, encompassing of elements outside of exclusively sex. Okay, yeah. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to make sure to touch on that too, but that's essentially like what this process can look like. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of ways of disclosing and um, I invite people, if you're listening to this, uh, there will be something positive for positive people disclosure practice sessions like I will do like um, sort of like kind of like what we just did like a live podcast recording where you'll be able to join and um, ask questions about disclosing your status and I'll just kind of walk through what that can look like uh, these are going to be where I ask for donations because I, I have so many of these conversations one-on-one and it's kind of getting to a point where uh it is so much more useful to have a room full of people or a handful of people with various experiences sharing with each other because I ain't gonna always be here like (laughs) my priorities are very much shifting and I'm very much feeling called to do what I consider to be more than what you're seeing here in this podcast episode and the podcast in general um and I, I have an idea of what that looks like. I'm just unable to really communicate it. So I would like for us to be able to get people to a place where they're more confident in their ability to share their status with other people and to be able to go through their process of healing. Because I mentioned identity validation. Nobody can validate your identity like your friends can. I'm a complete stranger. Like I'll look through your Instagram page. When you reach out to me, I'll ask a few questions and get an understanding of who you are. But ultimately, the person that you were 10 seconds before you had an inkling of possibly having herpes is still there. They're still that person. I can't always validate that, but your friends can. You just have to be willing to give them the chance to. Is there anything else that you would like to share or ask? I don't think so, and I'm really excited to go eat a hamburger downstairs. Oh, yeah, we'll get you a burger. We'll get you a burger. All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't already, uh, please go do those things. If you haven't, please donate. Uh, You can visit www.spfpp.org for more information on that. And I mentioned I'm changing up the mission statement and uh, what the nonprofit itself does. This is, in fact, the sexual health communications platform where we will be integrating what we learned over the last six years into STD prevention efforts. So your donations are going toward my efforts of that and continuing to maintain the usefulness of the resources that something positive for positive people does provide love y'all appreciate y'all and yeah you will hear my voice next time i ain't gonna say i'll see y'all next time because i literally don't see y'all so peace out